Welcome to Brewed in America, the podcast that gives you some perspective on America's culture, America's history, the truth of America's history, and America's people. We go through all of America's cities, we go through her food, her music, and her pop culture, and we have a great time analyzing all of that and spending time together talking about America and and loving America. Today we've got a very exciting show for you where we talk a little bit about the founding and specifically the events that led up to July 4th, 1776 and lead ourselves up to July 4th of this year. All right, so we have a very unique coffee today. Comes from Pilgrim Roasters in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a very fitting city and a very fitting name for the direction of the show the past few weeks. Today's coffee is called the Costa Rica Blend from Pilgrim Roasters in Philadelphia. It is on Market Street, and let's take our initial sip here. Mm. Very good. Very good. It has a fruity taste to it, which is unique. It's different, but it is uh, kind of a kind of a pomegranate flavor. Honestly, is kind of what I'm pulling from this. Um, it's not your typical, you know, chocolatey, nutty flavor. It's a very uh, light, and it, it, it does have a very strong pomegranate taste to it. Honestly, it's pretty. Mm, that's good. That really hits well. Mm. That is really good. Now, in the interest of full disclosure here, this 10-ounce bag was $28. So, use it for special occasions. This is like, this coffee is like your grandmother's fine china. It sits in the cabinet and you never touch it because it's too expensive to eat on. This coffee is excellent from what I've tasted in just these few seconds. However, you know, I think it's worth $28, but I would never pay $28 in just, you know, going on a single cup of coffee. 10 ounces, you can probably get mm, probably 20 cups out of that, maybe 25. So if you put it in that perspective, it's really not too bad. It's certainly cheaper than going to Starbucks or even Dunkin' Donuts for that matter. Um, but it is expensive. You know, you can get other coffees. We've talked about Hemisphere and some of those others. You get a 12 ounce bag. $10, you know, so, and it's excellent coffee. So, you know, I, and honestly, you know, hang on, I, I got another, get another sip here. This is too good to let go to waste. It could be that Philadelphia being the, the Democrat hellhole that it has become, it probably is just taxes that you're paying. Uh, and it's the taxes that the city puts on them and probably their rent is out of sight expensive too and that cost is getting passed on to you but all that said <laughs> this coffee this coffee is good enough that I think it warrants I mean $28 for 10 ounces forget the taxes and everything else it's worth it that is outstanding guys Pilgrim Roasters in Philadelphia. Check them out, pilgrimroasters.com. All right, so the next we've got, guys, think about this. We have got today, which is, you know, of course, Monday, and then we've got the next Monday, and then the next Tuesday is already 4th of July. We are already halfway through June. 
I don't know how that's possible. It feels like we just started 2023. And, you know, there's been a lot going on in the news, but, you know, relatively speaking, it's been a pretty quiet year. We haven't had, to my knowledge, we haven't had any cities burn. We haven't had any police cars defecated on, at least that's made it into to the mainstream news media. So all in all, a pretty quiet year, um, you know, uh, and, you know, to put that in perspective, as far as a quiet year, whenever your quiet year consi- consists of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence um, at a Dodgers game, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible where we are, where we're at as a country when that's considered a slow news cycle, um, when you've got things like that going on. But anyway, we'll get to some of that in a minute. What I want to talk to you about first, though, is the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and more so the Constitution today. Um, And I'll say that we'll we'll actually probably spend more time on the Declaration of Independence and then get to the Constitution next week. And then the 4th of July episode is going to be one of my favorites. We've been already putting some time and some effort into that one and getting that together. It's going to be worth your time, and we're going to have a blast putting that out this is going to be one of our one of our crowning achievements i hope uh will be the fourth of july episode you will not want to miss that episode so you know hopefully your company if they're good enough i know my company's doing this since fourth of july is on a tuesday this year they're giving us the monday before off as well so you get twice the amount of reflection time so hopefully you get that if not Please listen to the podcast anyway, but if you do and you're out spending time with family while you're in the car traveling to the lake or traveling traveling to the museum or whatever it is you're doing on the Monday or the Tuesday on July 4th itself, hopefully, you know, let me encourage you to do this. Go out to the fireworks and take a few minutes to listen to the percolating, oh, excuse me, the Brood in America uh, episode. I just had a slip of the tongue there. For those of you that don't know, and maybe some of our new listeners, Brood in America used to be called Percolating Perspective. And of course, as you can tell by the name and how excitingly choppy that is, we changed the name for obvious reasons. But all that said, tune in to the July 4th episode on July 3rd and I, I really uh, please share that episode and all of these episodes with a friend and and let somebody know about the show if you are a freedom loving American. And you know, I, I really encourage you to share it with all people, but it you know, freedom loving, coffee loving Americans are really going to resonate well with the show. And you know, the reason I say share it with somebody, I know very, very uh, many, honestly, people that are my age, you know mid mid to late twenties, that are hungry for patriotism and a pride in country. They have tried to rob us of that, and they've done a pretty good job of it. Um, You know, it's very hard to find truly patriotic stuff anymore. Uh, You know, you used to see the Norman Rockwell paintings. You used to see, you know, it, it was just commonplace to see something, some sort of advertisement, whether it was your local water company or electrical company or phone company or whatever, they would have the American flag all over it. Everything was wrapped in patriotism, and that has been completely removed from our culture. And it's something that this podcast is working to bring back and implement into our culture 
And where I was going with that, I know lots of kids, uh, I say kids, we're mid to late 20s, young adults, I'll say, um, that are hungry for this uh, sort of stuff, um, one of which is my brother-in-law, Jedediah Jocelyn, um, who who I'm not mentioning here because uh, he was he was hurt that I have not mentioned his name on one of my podcasts yet. That's not why I'm bringing his name up. It just happens to be that he is one of the people that I could think of right off the top of my head who is hungry for patriotism and hungry for a country that honors the American man and, and woman and the American family um, and wants a good strong dose of a love of country. So, kudos to him, Jedediah Jocelyn, that is J-E-D-I-D-A-H, Jocelyn, uh, who who I am mentioning here, not because he was um, he was languishing the fact that I had not mentioned him yet in a podcast, um, but I am now. But all kidding aside, Jed is one of my dearest friends, closest friends, and honestly, at this point, one of my oldest friends. Well, we've known each other now almost a decade, and he a lot of what you hear on this podcast is is come from his brain and from his heart. And so, I am deeply appreciative. And this is not just me blowing coffee up his butt. I am being serious here. Um, he has been a great influence on this podcast. He is a has an incredible creative mind, and I cannot thank him enough for that. And I. I really uh, am. Tr- I truly am grateful for the influence that he has had on this podcast. So, big shout out to Jed there, um, and uh, you know, appreciate that a lot. Getting into the topic now, we are almost ten minutes into this episode, and I have not even started talking about the topic. Um, but that is just because I'm such a great host, and you are. You didn't even realize it was ten minutes, did you? You thought it was like thirty seconds. Well, that's what happens when you have a. Mucho talented host, see there, Radio Hall of Fame, here I come, a multi-talented host such as yourself. If you're watching this on YouTube, I am wearing a tweed vest and a Churchill spotted bow tie, so you're welcome. Um, This is in honor of Father's Day, so uh, go take a watch on YouTube and take out uh, or take a look at my ensemble that I wore for Father's Day. And happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. Now, getting into the topic, finally, let's talk Declaration of Independence for a little bit. So, in the first, uh, I'll see, second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, we have what uh, a lot of people are most familiar with, or the part that people are most familiar with, where it says, we hold these truths to be... Uh, um, we hold these truths to be self-evident, excuse me, that all men are created equal uh, and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, the author, uh, Thomas Jefferson, often gets a bad rap for, and he gets a lot of pressure from the Ivy Leagues and from the the heads of academia and, you know, a bunch of flowery words like that that follow their names, um, you know, by commas and things like that to show you just how smart they are. They, they are always on attack on Thomas Jefferson for being a deist, an atheist, or whatever else. And I we've talked a lot about that on the show. And the reason we've talked a lot about that is because he needs to be exonerated, and he and the record needs to be set straight. The reason they go after Thomas Jefferson so much is because, quite frankly, out of all the founding fathers, he and Benjamin Franklin are probably the least religious. They were not atheists. They were not deists. 
but they were probably the least religious, respectively, uh, or not respectively, but um, uh, in consideration of the other founding fathers. The other founding fathers, like George Washington, there is absolutely no question where he stood on Christianity. And so, then really, there's no question on Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin either, but because they there's been some so much written on them that try to make the case that they were deists or atheists, that it's often, often... Uh, more times than not, people think that they are atheists and deists versus Christian. And, you know, and both of them have loads and loads and loads of things that they wrote that clearly and emphatically stated that they were Christian and adhered to the doctrines of, of Jesus Christ. But, you know, that doesn't fit the narrative. But so Thomas Jefferson gets a bad rap uh, a lot of times because he, he is known for owning slaves, Right, and and that's there's no secret to that, um, and there's a a great book that you need to read called Proclaiming Liberty Throughout All the Land by Mark David Hall that really does a deep dive into Thomas Jefferson owning slaves and kind of gives you some perspective on um, the times in which he lived and it you know it's it is not fair for us to look at Thomas Jefferson through the lens of today you have to look at history through the lens of the time in which it happened. And so, not excusing Thomas Jefferson for owning slaves whatsoever, but you have to understand that, A, he was he was one of the leading voices for abolition and, and what's called manumission. There is a difference between abolition and what's called manumission, and manumission was the complete absolvance of the institution in, in its entirety. Abolition was the freedom of slaves all by the individual, and manumission was you know, a complete absolvance of the institution altogether from sea to shining sea. And and Thomas Jefferson was one of the leaders in the manumission movement. Not only that, but he was the one of the founders and president of the American Bible Society back in the early 1800s. Uh, you know, the, the Christian Bible, not the deist Bible, if there is such a thing, or the Satanist Bible that, you know, uh, one of the copies that... Um, almost said Roger Ailes, whatever the guy's name is that owns uh, Fox News, what's his name? Rupert Murdoch. Um, you know, so Thomas Jefferson, I really encourage you to get that book, Proclaiming Liberty Throughout All the Land by Mark David Hall. A great, great piece, uh, or at least one chapter of that piece is on Thomas Jefferson and his owning of slaves, and it's well worth your time. Uh, but Thomas Jefferson, like I say, gets a bad rap because, you know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, he wrote the Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal, but he didn't mean that. He meant white men. Okay. Well, that's not true. And in fact, if you go back and look at the original draft of the Declaration of Independence, he specifically goes after the king of Great Britain for owning or for, for prohibiting the colonies from removing the the institution of slavery from within their borders. And in fact, he he directly calls the Christian out in all caps and says, you're supposed to be the Christian king, the so-called Christian king of Great Britain, and yet you are stealing men from their home, Africa, and bringing them here to the, to the colonies, and you have forbidden us from removing this institution or for allowing, from allowing us to free these slaves. And yet now, and the point he was making is, you know, the king is the one that prevented them from getting rid of slaves in the 13 colonies, and and then the king is trying to excite those very slaves that he brought to the colonies and use them as soldiers to fight against the colonists. And so Jefferson was was making a point there to say, like, hold up, you know, the, you're the one that brought this institution here, and now you're exciting those very people to, or trying to excite those very people to violence here in these 13 colonies. 
Now, unfortunately for for the king, uh, the the shot heard around the world that you may have heard of. Um, I'm not well, not heard of the shot ex- itself, but maybe I've heard about the shot. The shot heard around the world, not shot heard through all of history, but the shot heard around the world the, was the start of the Boston Massacre. And the man who was shot is one of the most forgotten heroes of the American Revolution. He was a black man by the name of Crispus Attucks, and I encourage you to. To take some time and do some extensive research on Crispus Attucks. Um, you know, there is some known of him, but he was relatively young when he died. I believe it was in his, either in his 30s or his 40s. It kind of escapes me at the moment. But Crispus Attucks was a black man that was shot by the British, um, who that was the shot heard around the world. His death was the spark of the American Revolution. Uh, the death of a, of a black man is the start of the American Revolution. And so I think it is such a pity, and it's more than a pity. That's an understatement. It is a it is a it is a robbery of our of our black American neighbors that they are being told that they have no part in American civilization, that they have no part in American culture, and that they play no role in the founding. In fact, the founding was specifically to keep them in chains. That is such a disservice and such a robbery of their sense of community that is carried out by the progressive left. They absolutely, not only were they part of the, of the American Revolution, they played an enormous role in the Revolution. In fact, they are, uh, you know, the, the black pulpits in the United States are the ones that were teaching, in many cases, the doctrines of liberty for hundreds of years before 1776. You have, you know, evangelists and missionaries, uh, uh, American evangelists and missionaries that were black, that were teaching the separation of the United States from Great Britain. Britain and teaching the principles that we've talked about where, you know, government is of the people, by the people, for the people, that was coming in large part from black preachers all across the country. And then, you know, aside from the preaching aspect, from the actual, the military side of things in the American Revolution, there are hundreds of black patriots that served our country during the American Revolution, free and slaves that earned their freedom for fighting. Um, there are hundreds and hundreds of black patriots and heroes of, of our country that have been, uh, uh, the, the progressive left has attempted to erase from our culture. And so the, the Declaration of Independence absolutely is not just for white male Americans. It is for white males, black males, uh, white women, black women, Hispanic women, Asian men and women. You know, all men means all men, mankind. And please don't be one of those dinguses that thinks that just because he said men doesn't mean he meant women too. He absolutely did. And, you know, to say otherwise is goes against the Bible. The Bible has done more to free women from the bondages of society than anything other, any other book in history or any other teacher. You know, the death of Jesus Christ freed all men everywhere. And so, you know, women and other races are no exception to that. They absolutely take part in that same freedom, and they take part in the same freedom here in the United States also. And, you know, it's, I can't overstate this enough. It is such a shame that our black neighbors are the the there's such an attempt and an assault on trying to keep the the their understanding of the American founding and the impact that black Americans had on the American founding it's really sad and it's criminal is what it is um but the declaration of independence is you know one of the things that I love to talk about the most 
is the right to life. It's mentioned first. And, you know, the the founders and Thomas Jefferson in particular were very, very careful and intentional with every word that they put on paper and, and all the way down to the very order in which the words were put on paper. And if you look at the Declaration of Independence and you go to the rights that it says among these rights, meaning there are many, many others, but these three we feel are probably the most important, life, liberty, originally property, it was changed to the pursuit of happiness. But the first one there is life. Why is life first? Well, uh, simply put, the reason why life was mentioned first as one of the freedoms protected was because that's where it is protected in the Bible. It's always protected first. If you go back to Genesis uh, chapter 1, the first thing that God gives man from his hand directly was life, the breath of life. He breathed life into man. The first thing that he gave man directly from his own being was life. <clears throat> and then if you fast forward to Genesis chapter 9, that is when the great flood is happening, Noah's flood. And the ark settles out, the animals leave, and the first thing that God gives Noah, he gives him civil government. It is the first civil government ever instituted by God, and the first law he gives is a civil ordinance to protect your right to life. It says, and I'm paraphrasing here, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And it specifically says there, by man shall his blood be shed, not by God, but by man, indicating that this is a civil ordinance, that it is government's job to, to protect the right to life. Uh, God says, you know, if somebody makes an attempt on another man's uh, life that that God himself gave them, then men or, you know, secular institutions, secular government has a responsibility to then remove that man's life uh, uh, for restitution. And that's honestly not the only place that the right to life was protected first. You fast forward to Exodus chapter 21, where the Ten Commandments reside, and God gives the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, and you have... Uh, you know, Moses, we find out later in Deuteronomy that Moses wrote these down on two tablets of stone. The first tablet having five, the second tablet having the remaining five. The first tablet and the first five laws, you have essentially laws that govern man's relationship to man. You have, you know, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not, uh, you know, take the Lord's name in vain. All these things that are man's relationship to God. If you look at the last five, the sixth through the tenth commandments, they are all commandments given to man for his relationship with his fellow man. And if you look at the sixth commandment, which would be the first of the last five, it is, thou shalt not commit murder. Well, murder, of course, we all know we're not idiots. Murder is the removal of a man's life. A man has a right to life. God gave him that right and gave him his life directly from his hand. And what God gave you, no man can take away. And so God, the first thing that God protects with the Ten Commandments, as far as man's relationship to man, is your life. And there again, we see that God protects life first. Then, is that the only place? Well, no. You go all the way over to Matthew in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5. You have the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus Christ does the same thing. There's several verses in the very beginning that are kind of, uh, you know, general blessings and things like that. Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek. But the, he does get into some law there. And the first law he gives is, thou shalt not hate your brother. 
well, why should you not hate your brother? That is the source of murder that Jesus Christ tells us. He, he is going to the root of the problem. He's no longer saying, hey, don't murder. He's saying, hey, you need to fix your heart that would cause you to murder. Yet another step in protecting the right to life. And so everywhere the Bible sets up institutions or sets up laws to protect rights, it always protects life first. I think that is fascinating. And Thomas Jefferson knew that. And that is why he puts in then the order there, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to confirm this, if you go all the way to the end of the Declaration of Independence, after the list of things that the king has done wrong, you get to the very last paragraph. And between you and me, hopefully Thomas Jefferson's not listening to this, but the the last paragraph is basically one big run-on sentence. But the very end, the very last sentence, it says, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred, uh, our sacred honor. There again, he puts life ahead of everything else. He puts life first. And we must do the same. And, you know, and, and really, we can have arguments about civil policy all day long. We can have arguments about, you know, illegal immigration or marijuana usage or, you know, how much of this coffee I'm about to drink. I'm about to take another sip here of this Pilgrim Roast. Oh, man. I, you got to try that coffee. It is so good. But Thomas Jefferson knew that if you don't get anything else right, you've got to get live first. And again, we can have those discussions on you know, border policy. We can have discussions on health care. We can have discussions on all this stuff as a people. But if we don't, if we can't agree on life, if we can't agree on the right to life, if we can't agree that life is given by God directly from God's hand at conception, if we can't agree on that, we can't agree on anything. If we can't agree that life is God's, you know, comes directly from God's hand, nobody is going to, you know, watch out for anything else. They're not going to care about your personal right to property. They're not going to care about your right to liberty. They're not going to care about your right to the pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness, not happiness, the pursuit of. You know, so we have to agree on life. And I fully understand that we don't. I know, think I believe you and I do, but I think that there are people. Well, I know there are people in the United States, and I think it's a growing percentage that do not believe that right is a sacred thing given by God. They believe that their right to, you know, you know, you know, fabricate genitals out of a piece of, you know, their shoulder or something. That's a right, and that's a right that can't be touched. That's a, you know, a sacred cow. Um, but your right to life? No, 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 no. That's 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 negotiable. Well, I'm sorry, it's not. And I disagree with you, and I refuse to agree with that. And you know, God doesn't make mistakes. Your gender is no exception to that. I know I'm kind of getting off on a tra- on a rabbit trail here, but to say that you know your right to attempt to change your gender, you can't, but your right to attempt to change your gender is somehow, uh, you know, that's the paramount right and that's the sacred right um, is is ridiculous. You know, that is, you know, God doesn't make mistakes, as we just said. So, to say that, you know, you have some sort of right to fix God, God's mistake is uh, horribly misguided. All right, that's it for me. Um, I really, really genuinely appreciate you listening to this podcast. I love doing this, and I love talking about America. And as I said earlier, we must have patriotism in our culture. 
We must have a pride, have a sense of pride in our country as part of our culture. Earlier, I mentioned Norman Rockwell. If you don't know who that is, please go look. Just Google Norman Rockwell, hit the images tab, and and you will see some of the most American-looking paintings that you will ever see. Norman Rockwell had an incredible ability to capture um, you know, American life on canvas. And I encourage you to go take a look at that stuff. Um, that's just kind of a side note, but you know, I, again, I, I love talking about America and we, and I'm the the whole point of this podcast and what I ask that you help me do and telling your friends and telling your neighbors, um, please share this with your friends, share this with your neighbors. We have got to get patriotism reinfused into our culture. And I think it's going to take things like this podcast where we talk about it and we, we make it normal again. You know, that seems to be the going thing right now is we have to normalize everything. Well, let's normalize patriotism. I don't think that's gone away. I think it's just the patriots have kind of crawled over into a corner and are being quiet. So please let's not do that. Until next week, America, I love you so much. I will see you next week. Take care of yourself. If you are in the Southeast United States, I hope you're staying dry. It has been a whirlwind, no pun intended, of a week. So until next week, America, I love you. God bless. Take care.